Hello, my name is Lois and this is my dad, Matthew. And my name is Matthew and this is my daughter, Lois. Hi, Dad. <laughs> it's going to be a very happy Christmas, darling, isn't it? <laughs> We're talking Christmas today. Christmas. We're gathered together around the table with Tian, our producer, and Peter, the... What would you call Peter? I think he's the quality control officer. Quality control officer. Quality control officer. <laughs> Slash my boyfriend, which all the listeners know already because I've spoken about him a lot. And we're sitting in uh, Peter's and Nose's wonderful new kitchen and we're going to have a brainstorming session to crack all those Christmas problems. We are. Christmas brainstorming, nothing off the table... Well, nothing on the table, no, or well, not no. much at the moment. Well, maybe we'll start with a cheers. 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 There we go. I'm not going to get that that far. <laughs> All right. Now, I think that if we, should, we should start by discovering what each family's Christmas traditions or quirks are. Now, Tian, starting with you, what are yours? So, we actually have quite specific things that we do. So number one is a lead up to Christmas. We would always have, um, we would have film nights, uh, but it always goes in a certain order as well. But one of the main, one of the main things is that on, so on Christmas Eve, we have to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, every, I think I've watched it every single year since I was probably, I don't know. You old sentimentalist. Child. I know. Uh, I love it so much. It's one of my favourite films. We've watched it for on Christmas Eve, probably, yeah, for like over 10 years. Definitely, definitely. So that's like one of the main ones. And then I guess we just, we pretty much have the classic traditional things as well. But then also in my family as well, my mum's side of the family, we have a Christmas party after Christmas. And so we get everyone from my mum's side of the family and we all meet up. So it ends up being like 60 or 70 people because it's a big family. No, so we, we used to go to this big old, um, it's kind of a place where you would have a primary school trip. So like a big old house or something, we would hire oh, one nice. and we would have, and it had to have quizzes. So our family, big people, we would have to have quizzes. And it has multiple quizzes as I well. Multiple quizzes across multiple nights, and so it's it's like a two it's a two night affair, like it's a proper thing, and we all sleep over at this big old place, and that's that's pretty much like the biggest tradition that's really that we have. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah especially growing up as well when we were small, and because I'd have so many cousins and second cousins and third cousins and everything, so we would always do that, and it was you're so a, much fun. You're a very large and tight family, aren't you? Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah but I, I think it's because of these this traditional Christmas party because we've had this thing every single year where we would all meet up then you end up, I actually know my second and third cousins, whereas um, you might not know them on the other no. side of the family. But I don't, I don't have, my other side of the family isn't as large. But on this side, I, I pretty much know everyone. So. And who cooks? No, so it's, it's cater for. So oh, they provide the yeah, food. Yeah, so we, we, oh, used to go, so we used to go to this place called East Dean on the Isle of Wight. So a lot of my family, my mum's side of the family, will live on the Isle of Wight. And we would go over there and, um, yeah, we would rent out between the whole family. So this is like... Yeah, 60 or 70 people or something. We would hire out this big old house. And then, no, but it's, like, it's catered for, because basically like where you'd go for like a girl guides trip or a scout thing, honestly. <laughs> I think it's so no, but you, you sleep, no, you sleep in like bunk beds. Like it's, it's not it's not a luxury thing or anything. No, but. it sounds to me absolutely terrifying. Can you remember a, a whole house full of Stuart Murray's bulgy with brains? <laughs> okay, Peter, what about your family tradition? Well, the, the Wilsons like a party, so... It starts with a lot of festivities when all of us manage to get back. How, how far ahead of Christmas does it start? I'd say the probably real party starts on Christmas Eve and goes all the way through to New Year's Day normally. <laughs> but we start with 
has to be chip shop chips and gammon on Christmas Eve and oh, games. So nice. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, Sets you in. Yeah. And then we have a, a bizarre tradition on Christmas morning that was started with family in Australia. We had a Christmas there and they had a barbecued breakfast. And my dad was in awe of having 20-odd people out on a beautiful deck looking out over the bush, eating prawns on the barbecue, fried eggs on the barbecue. So when we came back, and I must have been about 13, 14, and when we got back to the UK, the first Christmas that we were back at home, we had a barbecue breakfast out in the cold and the wind. (laughs) And then the next year, my dad built a lean-to on the back of the house, so at least he was dry cooking (laughs) for Christmas Day. And then we kind of, that sets the tone. Normally, there's a bit of champagne or a bit of Buck's Fizz to start the day. Then you have a good feed, and then it's preparation. Uh, 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 and, time. Is it, and is it barbecued? Is it mm, so? It's all barbecued. So barbecue is the key to the mm. to the Wilson Christmas. Yeah, it starts the day. It starts the tone. Um, that and a bit of champagne, and then obviously the Queen's speech. Now kings, the king. uh, which will oh, be yes. bizarre for us all this year. Speaking this year, yeah, don't know how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> now you're this year. You are having. Uh, sort of well, my, I, I, would say I don't really have any strict traditions with Christmas because childhood was was a mix of half with your family in the UK, half with mum's family in South Africa, and of course because it's hot, you just don't focus on Christmas quite as much as you do here. It's rather difficult to sing in the bleak midwinter when it's about well, it thirty. Is, in the it is, <laughs> and also you don't want to spend the bulk of a day sitting cooking a hot lunch and eating a hot lunch. So we in South Africa we have supper. A Christmas, a Christmas supper on Christmas Eve, which is usually we haven't done a turkey for a while. It's usually some kind of beef. I have a, a memory of particular horror of those of a, one of those things where Elle, um, your aunt, used to produce a butter basted turkey, which <laughs> <coughs> I mean it's. <laughs> It's ha- it, it was exactly as disgusting as it sounds. I mean, uh, everything was, it was a sort of artificial turkey. I'm not sure it was actually made of turkey at all. <laughs> made of some other substance. Well, that, no, that uh, hasn't featured for quite some years. Yeah. We usually have a bit of, a bit, bit of beef, maybe, maybe turkey every now and again, but a ham. We do a, ga- a honey-glazed gammon, which is delicious, but my favourite part of my South Africa Christmas suppers is creamed corn. Cream which corn. is basically sweet corn kernels in effectively a white sauce, which you can make cheesy if you want or put nutmeg in. or But it is something so unctuous about it. So my plate usually looks like cream, cre- creamed corn soup with the odd piece of meat and something green on it. That's my favourite <laughs> part. But this year I will be having Christmas in the UK with my mum and we are going to have a goose. And I just have to say, we're feeling a bit strange about it because we my mum phoned the her poultry farm which is on the other side of the road from her who she knows quite well and she said it's just me and my daughter for Christmas and I've been on your website and you've only got big geese any chance you've just got any old bits of geese or half a goose in the freezer somewhere that that you wouldn't have put on your website because we don't need a whole one and this farmer's wife said I'll call you back I don't know I'll speak to my husband so she spoke to her husband at 7 30 that night the phone rings it was the farmer he said I haven't got any bits lying around but I've just spent two hours in the fields and I found you a really small goose (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so mum and I went oh no this poor little goose running around that's now going to be for us so we're going to have a small goose but we've just had a really interesting conversation in the car with dad and I would not have known to do this explain what you said you must do if you're making a goose well one of the things about geese is that 
well, the great things about geese is they carry a huge amount of fat on them, delicious and beautiful fat, very good for you, of course, uh, but also particularly valuable for, for roasting potatoes. So what you have to do is to prick the, the goose in, in various points, and my, I would recommend underneath the breast there are, I think, there's sort of glands where they contain a great deal of fat, so you prick those with the end of a fork, make sure, so that the, and also the, the leg, inside the legs, by the thighs, uh, and the breast are better as well, down, particularly down in the front, because it really helps release all that beautiful, divine, golden brown fat. Um, and so it helps keep the, so it dries, effectively, it, the goose bastes itself, and as it does so, all the delicious juice comes out, all the delicious fat comes out, and that's, so, well, that's what I would recommend. The other tip, I would say, also, I think the great thing about goose for me, I mean, it's, think about even a decent-sized goose, you can only serve only serve about four, maybe maximum six people per bird because there's not a lot of meat on them. Uh, and so if you're doing a, you know, a lunch for 18 or 12 hours, you, you, know, <coughs> you need about three ovens, basically, in order to cook all the geese. But I tell you what it is, cook a goose for coal. Cook a goose for Boxing Day. Now, now it's not it's not quite our remit. Mm. I know to talk about. We've got a lot to get over over Christmas. That's all right. But cold goose on Boxing Day with a salad made from slices of fennel and orange and black olives. You're going to have to write up that. A little, a little splash. Of I know. Well, I'm hoping this goose now isn't that small, so that we've got leftovers yeah, for next day to do this. Yeah. We'll have to eke it out, right? Well, hang on a second. What about my traditions? Sorry, Dad, your traditions. Yes. Well, my traditions. Well, I have to. I won't do anything about food. What were the traditions when I, particularly when I was growing up, that my we, we used to cook on. My mother used to cook on an agar, and without fail, without fail, every single Christmas Eve. The, bloody machine would break down. <laughs> Have you ever tried to get out you know, a, a, an engineer, an Arger engineer on, on Christmas Eve? Absolutely <laughs> I mean, impossible. My mother used to have to use her full commanding presence to get out. That was the one thing I always remember. We always ate, I mean, ate and drank far, far too much. That, well, I think that's that's just part and parcel, isn't it? Yeah. That terrible liverish feeling at the end of, <laughs> the end of Christmas Day when you're lying back in your chair contemplating. I mean, but we had, you know, it was usually it was classic, you know, turkey, um, yeah. uh, Brussels sprouts, roast potatoes, carrots. And then, well, it actually brings us, I think, to a really interesting area, of course, that we always have Christmas pudding. Now, but I, I think that, um, that Christmas is, is that you're faced with a whole series of problems. Mm-hmm. It starts with the turkey problem. What are we going to have this year? Oh, I thought we'd have turkey. No, turkey's so boring, it's so dry, it's so... Tasteless. Tasteless. Mm. Not if it's cooked by my, no. my uh, method, but we'll come on to that in a moment. So, oh, what about, who's, for be- who's for beef? Well, I don't know. Uh, beef? This is not very Christmas, is it? Oh, what about, uh, what about pheasant? Oh, well, that's it. Yeah. And so on. So there's an endless debate about... And then if everybody come back to Turkey, because the one thing that everybody can agree or, on. Or, actually, I think what ends up happening, which happens in Peter's family, is that you end up having finding your alternative, and then someone goes, yeah, but let's just have a turkey as well. Mm. So you end up doing two things. <laughs> yes. Turkey, turkey and ham and beef and pheasant. But I think you're doing turkey and pork this year. Yeah, I'm doing Italian porchetta, which is yeah. rolled. Ooh. So you have the crackling on the outside, rolled with a stuffing of fennel seeds, rosemary, garlic, olive oil, yeah. and chili. And then we're having a turkey. But the turkey, <laughs> the turkey is named. So my <laughs> sister has said hello to the turkey that we're having, <laughs> which is 
bit bizarre. I don't know how I feel about... <laughs> it's called Tallulah. 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 We've got that to contend with. And then luckily, which is going to be lucky for me, difficult for my sister, the turkey's being cooked one village over. I mean, transported on Christmas morning. Oh, well, dad could give her a tip because you know how then, dad does it. He covers it in a duvet yeah. when he has to drive it to keep it warm. What you do is, is it actually works really well is that when you finish r- cooking your turkey, you wrap it up in cling film, make sure, then you put a duvet over the top of that. <laughs> you need the cling film so the duvet doesn't end up by reeking. Wait, but who's duvet? <laughs> 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 edible, <laughs> a nice edible duvet. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then because you, know, you need to always let your meat relax and unwind at the end of the race, racing process, and, and that, that does it very nicely underneath a, a duvet. seatbelt or no seatbelt? <laughs> 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 like a dead body or something. <laughs> Smuggling in the back seat. Yes. Like, what the, is that? You see the policeman. Excuse me, sir. It's a turkey, sir. I'm sure there are a lot of cooked turkeys that get driven around on Christmas yeah. Day. And well, I've point. done it several but times. On the topic of turkey, now, Dad, do we know why traditional Christmas food, well, certainly in this country and and you know Antipodean countries, why is it turkey? That's the poor old turkey caught the short straw. Yeah. Well, actually, it never used to be like this. It was the Victorians who basically gave us all our all our Christmas traditions. You know, all the most of the Christmas carols come out of the Victorian period. Yes. Um, the idea that you know, a white Christmas, in fact, uh, and turkeys in particular, we were you know they were a Victorian. I think partly three various things came about. I think that first of all, the, the industrial production uh, of turkeys which were traditionally were grown up in East Anglia in Norfolk and they would be driven from from East Anglia in Norfolk along with geese all the way to London to wow. various poultry fairs around London uh, around Christmas time before um, turkeys became you know, what, the, the, the meat of choice mm-hmm. things like well pork used to be used a wild boar was fresh well, mm. venison you know, lovely you know, all sorts of varieties and I don't know why you know we you know, we've abandoned all those absolutely delicious things and vary our, our, our Christmases. Our Christmases, exactly. But however, let us not. Um, but let us deal with the realities we know. Okay. Well, I've carried on. I about. was just going to ask you what you wanted to talk about next. Well, um, are we going to talk about Christmas pudding? I think we should. Then we can knock the Christmas. Because yeah, that's the other great. That's the other, isn't it? Area. I mean, do you have Christmas great pudding? Debate. Yeah. No, we always have Christmas Classic. pudding. Yeah. And we also put the five peas in it as well. Put the five peas yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. Not two and six million bits. <laughs> <laughs> where do you put the Where do you put the money in a Christmas pudding? You push you them put, in. You push them in. So, but we wrap them up in tin foil yes. and then we put them into the. What's that about? I don't it's know just about a tradition, this. and if you get it, then it's you get. Well, I don't like Christmas pudding, so I'm never involved yeah. at this. Stage. I don't really. I've never actually asked why. I'm just happy to get some money. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, did your family do that? In part as a Portuguese tradition on King's Day, my one of my brother-in-laws is Portuguese, and you have king's cake. And in the king's cake, there is a miniature king. And if oh, you yeah. get the king... Well, like a figurine. Little figurine, pottery or plastic. But if you get it and you don't break your teeth, you're really lucky for the whole year. <laughs> and that was always a fight for that. But then, not on the Christmas pudding side, we've never done that, but we're a Christmas cake family. Being from oh, Lancashire. With like the fondant and yeah. booze. I see Christmas yeah, yeah. cake booze I can nuts. get on board with with a slab of cheddar on it. No, Lancashire cheese. Really? It has to be Lancashire cheese. I have cheese. seen it before, <laughs> but ooh. But let's go back. For, for Christmas pudding, a lot of people, it's so heavy, it's so rich, I can't bear it after I've eaten all of that. 
It's a spectacle as well, because when, when else will you set something on fire? Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pouring over the, over know, the brandy, the brandy. The, <laughs> standing at the ra- roars of applause. I know, it's the, the theatre of it all. Yeah, I like it. But then when people come like, oh, do any fruit salad? Yeah. Um, but there's a solution to this problem. Is there? It is the Christmas pudding souffle. Yeah. You use you use the, the the cake basically. You you cook your Christmas pudding and you've got the, the the mass like that and you break it up and you mix it with egg yolks and then you fold in the egg whites and then you bake it in in a, in a souffle mould and it up it rises. Oh, yeah, I bet that's delicious. And you get, but you get all the spicy, you get mm. all the fruit, mm. no, but it's airy as a cloud. Oh, there you go. And very very good with with um with brandy butter ice cream. Mm. Oh my gosh, <laughs> brandy good. butter ice cream is the Fair. Well, that's the other. Well, well, well. That, for most people, actually, but certainly in my family, concerned is that you know, that Christmas pudding was the excuse to have inordinate amounts of brandy butter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, which it's gra- just a vessel for it, really, isn't it? Yes, so. it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, which my grandmother was always responsible yeah, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So, what happens if you know you're not into meat? You're not into that. The vegetarian. Yeah, I mean, look, I think. The thing about Christmas is I think we are we don't have to be wedded, do we, to that traditional, traditional. Yeah. But a, I would think a nice, well, we discussed this, didn't we? We thought a nice vegetarian option would be a stuffed cabbage. The stuffed cabbage r- solution, which I've applied to various um, yeah. situations <laughs> over, over the years, when faced with the demands of, quite right demand, justified demands of vegetarian, uh, my vegetarian guests, and it was, it's, it's actually, it's a variation on an old French recipe called Choufarci à l'ancienne. And it was, originally it was, it was packed with pork and, 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 um, and you make a sort of balloon out of cabbage leaves and then you stuff it with whatever you like. And this, and I came up, a ver- came up with a variation, which was made with lentils and ginger and mm. various other things, flavourings. I mean, lentils are quite boring on themselves, but you add you know, a bit of ginger, a bit of garlic, a bit of Worcester sauce. Put and and what of, about something to bind no. it? An egg. An egg. Well, actually, uh, yes, meat, of course, binds itself, because the protein just exactly. naturally sticks together. But I think you do need to add an egg in order to bind the whole together. Basically, all you do is blanch you know, the cabbage leaves, like you know, quite a large number of them. Then you lay it out on a bit of cling film, uh, and then you... Fill them up with you in a sort of circle, and then you plonk a great wadge of your delicious yeah. uh, whatever mixture it is. I mean, you, whatever vegetarian combination you, you like, like, really. Yeah. I, and also, I like to use some of this chopped up uh, inner leaves of the cabbage because it makes it lighter. Yes. Uh, and then you, and then the, using the cream film, you you sort of put it all together and twist it around at the top. So there you have it. And then, how do you cook it? You you boil it. Boil it, and and it's fine. Yeah. The the uh, the cling film will will not melt and. Uh, and it's not carcinogenic. And it's not carcinogenic, okay. and it does need a a, a gravy or, or a, well, a sauce. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say. Oh. Here's the big conundrum: when you're making any kind of vegetarian or vegan option, you know, you could do roast cauliflower, for example. I like a gravy, a sauce. Yeah. And so how does one make a lovely, rich, vegan or vegetarian sauce when you don't have that basis of stock or meat juices? What do you do? Well, concentrated tomato. I mean, make a tomato sauce. I know, if you don't want tomato, that. if you want something well, with a gravy. Well, if you don't want tomato, what, what about else mushrooms? do you do? Mushrooms. No, I've made it very successfully with mushrooms now, where you just fry, you just fry them up so that they're nice and nutty. And then you put in Blitzen. some cream and then... Zzz, 
down there, zzz, with a blitzer, and then you and maybe it. a bit of puccini powder to make Ooh. it a bit with that, oh, yeah. that, that umami flavour. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Or um, you could use soy, actually. You could use soy, yes, if you are so inclined. So a lot of my family is vegetarian and they would just make like a Bisto gravy but then they put caramelised onions in it and it definitely beats Oh, that's a good idea, yes. caramelised onions, oh, yes. Because you know like a similar to like a French onion soup but Mm. obviously you haven't got the beef in it but you you want that kind of, yeah, umami, yummy, Yeah, so it adds a bit more to the Bisto because it's fine but... Yeah. yeah, you need it needs something a bit more. Yeah, well, definitely. But the porcini would be brilliant, actually. Your porcini so powder, nice. I, I use it quite often, just quite frankly, in anything, just to give it a bit of depth. Yeah, it's a bit like why, why you would use fish sauce in Asian cooking that yeah, gives it that depth. Really. Porcini powder does the same thing. So, yeah. so now that we've solved those particular conundrums, what what, what do other countries do? I mean, what do, what do well? There are some really interesting ones. For example, Argentina. Ah. <laughs> yeah, this is the day, the day um, after the yes, World Cup so it is the day after the World Cup final congratulations very, very Argentina exactly <laughs> they do something that is strikes me as doesn't sound particularly appealing to me but let's see veal with a tuna mayonnaise sauce well this is, well, this is an Italian classic this is vitello tonato uh, which is a speciality of Liguria and specifically Genoa and what that really tells you is how many Italians back in the you know the end of the last no well, two centuries ago now, yes. and last century went out to emigrated to Argentina looking for work, yeah. uh, and they obviously took with them their own uh, food uh, traditions. So basically, you know, every time you look at a piece of food on a plate, there is a story behind it. You know? There is. I mean, then there's the Eastern European com- countries like Poland and Czech Republic, Slovakia, etc., and they have carp. Yes. For their, for, and, and they also tend to do the Christmas Eve thing as well, which I think quite a lot of European countries do. Yeah. And I think that the tradition was that the Catholics would use Advent and they would fast and that Christmas Eve was the last day. Uh, so you'd still be fasting, but fish was a fasting food. So they'd have carp, which apparently is still, uh, basically, that's still the tradition is to uh, have carp. And you've never eaten carp? I've never eaten carp. I don't think I have either. Have you uh, eaten carp? I've had fish and chips from some dodgy places. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. Mystery fish. Mystery fish. I, can't, I, I hope I have, but I don't know. Have you eaten carp, Dad? Yes, I had. I had a, my, my godmother was, was married to a, to a pearl who was a very, very keen cook, Adam. And he was very, very keen, a very good cook. And he used to do, he used to do carp, cold carp, hot carp. What, what is it like? White fish? It's, I, I won't say it's, it's not a sort of super heavy weight in the taste of it. Right, okay. Um, a bit bland? But, it, but it's, but, uh, yes, but okay. it's a great vehicle for, particularly with sweet and sour. I mean, I think, there's, if I remember rightly, it used to be sort of slightly sweet and sour sauce with, with raisins in it. it was, I thought it was absolutely delicious. Um, so that was the sort of thing. Cut pike was another favourite of his, actually. What else? What oh, right, you... so then, then we've got countries like Denmark and Germany that mm. do the goose. Yes. Or sometimes duck or rabbit. Or, Lovely. Or pork. Or pork. Um, and then, I was going, right, so I found this. Google found this. Now, you've spent a lot of time in Italy. Do you know what the traditional Christmas Eve meal is in Italy? Uh, <laughs> Christmas Eve. It's not. It's not um, Cotacino con lenticchie, is it? By any remote chance? Well, I actually I don't have the Italian name. I really got it in English. <laughs> <laughs> so for all Phew. I know, it could be. Well, I can tell you, it is. <laughs> it Absolutely. is the feast of seven fishes. 
Oh, my, oh no. And I they have know. basically, they have a mixture of octopus, anchovies, salt cod, clams, eels, etc., etc. And they have the Feast of Seven Fishes the night before. Well, actually, I, I didn't know that. But I will tell you about the, the Feast of, of 13 Puddings that my oh, wow. my, sis, my late sister, Nordelia, who's, who's a wonderful, dedicated, and wonderful cook, actually, and she decided to treat us one year to the Provençal, classic Provençal Christmas Eve dinner, which started off with Bronda de Morue, which is salt cod, which is beaten with um, up with garlic, puree garlic, and with um, with olive oil, and rather oddly cream, really? <laughs> to produce a substance of unbelievable richness. That can't have been one of the desserts. No, no, that was one of the. Oh, that right. was, that okay. was the first course. There were various other bits of sausage and various other things. I, I can't remember the year, but then she did the thirteen puddings, which are absolutely traditional. Well, this coming on top of about four or five courses of, of increasingly rich food. I would not Suddenly, be able to cope with that. <laughs> I can tell you, Christmas was a rather diminished, you, uh, and uh, subdued <laughs> a celebration. Do you know why there are 13? Because of 12 disciples. 12 and, apostles and Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ. Yeah, there we go, that's why there there's 13. Is, uh, there we go. So again, there's always, a, I love this, you see, there's always stories, there are always stories, yeah, there are always stories. Okay, so. Right, and the other thing we could discuss is Christmas drinks. Very true. Well. Because we've got the obvious ones, like... Champagne. Oh, I actually have to tell you something quite funny. So a week, about a week and a half ago, I had COVID. I wasn't feeling very well. And I was just kind of just starting to feel a little bit human, where I was really bored of just drinking water and Lemsip, but I didn't. I wasn't ready to have a glass of wine or anything. But I just... I was, you know, you just get a bit bored of being sick. So I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I've never done it before. And Peter and I, at five o'clock in the evening on a Wednesday, <laughs> sat on the sofa with a couple of really strong brandy hot toddies. Yeah. <laughs> and that hot was toddies. hot toddies. Yeah. I mean, I had that when I had COVID. Brilliant. It also, it feels like a freebie. You don't yeah. feel like you're yeah. drinking because it's a hot drink. So then, of course, I had two hot toddies, and then, of course, I wanted another one. And I yeah. thought, no, you can't drink any more brandy. The bottle was going down rather fast. Yeah. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my own mulled wine. Oh, I didn't really, I didn't really look into this very well. I chucked a cinnamon stick and an orange slice into a mug of red wine and then blitzed it in the microwave at full power. Did you put it on the hole? Full power. It was so disgusting. And then, of course, we Googled it and found out that actually if wine gets to over 60 degrees or 70 degrees or something, then it gets this acrid, bitter, horrible. So then we changed the tactic and did it on the hob, uh, which was very nice. But a hot toddy... For me, I think it might become a Christmas drink. Yeah, it's so nice. Can I can I can I direct you to the Royal Punch, which I, a recipe of which I found in the back of uh, Constant Spry Cookery, mm. and um, and it and it, it 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 doesn't it doesn't sound right, but it works out right. You start. I can do this from memory. It is a quart of green china tea, right? The juice of eight lemons, two pounds of it should be sugar crystal. Uh, but it, 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 it cast a sugar. Two pounds? How many people Two pounds okay. got to cast sugar. To which you then add... Well, don't forget you've got the juice of eight lemons in there as well. Yes, that's true. And then to which you then add a bottle of re- German Riesling, a bottle of French Red Burgundy, uh, a bottle of champagne... What? A bottle of rum... What? And half a bottle of Maraschino. Oh. And you, and you let this, as, they, as, they, as that wonderful phrase, you let this draw gently. Jeepers. Which is, means not a bottle. And then you and, strap in. And then you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it is. It's a very. It, it's what I refer to as the ultimate nerve tonic, really. Blimey! Perfect for. I don't think you have Christmas. nerves anymore. If you perfect for Christmas Day. Do you have a Do you have a, a, a Christmas special drink? Um, there's a song by Chumba Wumba, which is. Oh, yeah. I take a lager drink. I take a whiskey drink. I take a cider drink. I take a wine drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's my method on Christmas Day. <laughs> I typically start with champagne, yeah. then. I made a tradition for myself when I'm in the UK. My best friend has a brewery and I love him dearly and I want to have his beer on Christmas Day. So I'll be having a few of those. And then it'll be mainly white wine. I don't really drink red wine, so I'll then settle in for the rest of the day on hopefully some nice French white wines and then maybe a sherry and probably be me asleep at nine (laughs) o'clock with a box of chocolate melting onto my bed and then trouble in the morning (laughs) well this has just made me think of so dad has written i don't know when you wrote this i don't know how long ago it was but quite a long time ago (laughs) it's a brilliant christmas day checklist which for the listeners i'm gonna we're gonna post it onto our instagram when we when we release this podcast um it's quite funny but at the end i won't read it all but at the end this has just made me think of it it says uh, make stock, take stock, pour glass of nerve tonic. This is the night before Christmas. Pour glass of nerve tonic, contemplate the morrow, panic, pour second glass of nerve tonic, sink into profound depression, go to bed. And then the next morning, in amongst all the detail of waking up and getting ready, it says breakfast, brackets, regret second nerve tonic of the previous night, regret first nerve tonic because it led to second nerve tonic. <laughs> <laughs> all true, all true, sadly. Speaking from experience. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Very good. We'll, we'll post some of this on the Instagram because you've got some good tips and some good recipes. What are some of the Fort's favourite Christmas drinks? Um, I think it's all quite traditional. Wine. Yes, yeah, you, you go on. Because mine is wine, um, wine, wine, and more wine. Wine, wine, and more well, wine. Well, I, I, I really love either sherry or Madeira. I think, she, oh, I, yes. think I think champagne is. I, it, I think it lacks the complexity of a really good sherry to sharpen up the taste buds. Oh. So, and I, and I particularly love Madeira, light Madeira, like a Sershal, which is a little bit dry and quite full and round. And I think on a, when, it's sort mm. of when, when, when the rain is speckling against the window and you think, oh, God, off to church in 20 minutes, have a quick one on the way. <laughs> yes, um, see, that, oh, that also sort of, that goes with the type of weather. See, when I'm in South Africa, of course, it's different because it's hot. Yeah. And I think the thing about Christmas like any special occasion is it's nice to have one drink that you wouldn't normally have. Yeah. So whether that's, I don't know, maybe a margarita yeah. or just a cocktail that you wouldn't normally yeah. have, yeah. just one, nice and punchy, you know, real woofter. Um, or as my aunt says, actually this is a bit apt for Christmas, but not for those who are religious. She says, she says, let's have a Jesus drink. <laughs> so I said, what's a Jesus drink? She says, well, you've got to make it strong enough so that after your first sip, you go, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Well, can I remind you, actually, you know, the first the first miracle that Jesus did was turning the water into wine at the marriage feast of, of Cana. Oh, yes, that's true. Not only did he turn the water into wine, but basically all the guests there remarked on the fact that the, the host, really, is serving the better wine 
um, the, the better wine second. Normally, the better wine would have been first. first. Mm. So, so, so Jesus just didn't just make a water into wine. He made the, a really superb classic. What is it? La Tache. Exactly, exactly. So. And what about, what about beer as a, on, a, on a Christmas day? Yeah, I like not strong, so kind of 3.8, 4% pale ale. Good session beer. Good session beer. Yeah. And you don't. You don't want too much beer on Christmas Day because it fills you up. Yeah. So you want to avoid the bubbles too much. So what about something like, like a, a few? What about something like a glass of porter to go with the Christmas pudding cheese? Yeah. We have mead sometimes. Do my, you? Yeah. yeah, Justin, my uncle, he loves it, and so does my brother. We have mead, but they literally would just sit there drinking it like some sort of old barons. It feels like you've gone back in time. It's, it's weird though. I tried it for the first time a couple of years ago and I just I wasn't that keen. What does it take? I had it last week. Really? This is like the first it? time in my life. Yeah, it's weird. Well, it's all right. It's it's a bit like, like Ryan's Brewery. I said, oh, What's okay. that bottle over there? He went, You're not allowed it. And I went, Well, now you've said that, I want what's yeah, in that yeah, bottle. Yeah. And he said he was giving it as a present from doing a brew with another company. What is me? And it's it's honey, isn't it? It's, yeah. honey. it's a honey. It's a, it's a honey drink. Fermented. So I think it's. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether it's fermented honey or whether it's. For me, it tastes like bread for me, but I don't know why. But I did. I do. I, once when I visited Ethiopia, once I was given fermented. I got. I got slightly hysterical on, on on fermented on a fermented honey. Really? Yes, it's one of those drinks which you think, oh, that's curious, you know? yeah. and you don't want to have another one of those things, and it, it sort of creeps up on you on unawares yeah. until you suddenly. You realise your legs don't work yeah, properly. Well, it goes right. down very well. Head as clear as a bell. <laughs> Wikipedia: Mead yeah. is an alcoholic beverage made by fermenting honey mixed with water and sometimes with added ingredients such as fruits, spices, grains, or hops. The ABV mm. can range from three point five percent to more than twenty. It, it, it can be really, really strong. And the strong, defining yeah. characteristic of mead is that the majority of the beverage's fermentable sugar is derived from honey. Yeah. It may be still carbonated or naturally sparkling, dry, semi-sweet or sweet. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah. Doctor Wiki. This is what happens when you come from a family of historians. They like to go for a historical drink. (laughs) It's really, really like back to tradition. I quite like that. I'm going to try and come up with a... A Christmas tradition. I drink. think. I I think something like you know, we've mentioned beer, we've mentioned sherries, we've mentioned wines, we've mentioned mead, cider. Actually, I think oh, yeah, cider is a really cider has a lovely, refreshing quality that none of the other drinks really. Well, have. of course, warm, hot cider is always yeah, is, is, is an alternative. You know, when you buy yeah. mulled wine or wherever, they'll yeah. usually have warm cider, yeah. so which is quite nice. Although I always find. Maybe I suppose it's the type of cider, but I've always found when I've drunk it that it bring, really brings out the sweetness. So it could be extremely sweet. But you've got to get a dry cider. But you've got to get a dry cider. You've got to get a dry yes, cider. That's true. So, no, we, we, we've, we've travelled far and wide over, over the Christmas day. Yeah. Um, Boxing Day, day after. Boxing Day, what do you eat then? Leftovers! Yeah, mm. leftovers. We well, you just... eat leftovers. Well, yeah, but uh, you eat something before you eat leftovers. Breakfast? No, before you eat breakfast. Chocolate? No, no, no. no. <laughs> 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 what comes before breakfast? What kind of hangover cures? Oh, oh, hangover cures. Oh, is there going to be some hangover? There's only two. Liver treatment and lav- li- <laughs> hangover cures. The only two hangover cures that were. Actually, there's really only one, which is more alcohol. It's either more alcohol or exercise. 
Really? What? Yeah. You do. You sweat don't... it out. Are you one of those? Sweat it out. I can't. Yeah. No, I, I have to go for a fresh walk because hopefully it's like nice and chilly out. And yeah. Go for a nice, a nice fresh walk and then I just. I mean, I'm, I'm not, for the love of God, I'm not saying I'm going to exercise. No, no, but... The ultimate cure is just to top back up. I yeah. Well, mean, as I, we well know. no, there is a bit more to it than that. I think what you do is you take you take a short glass of vodka like that, whack it back. Oh, and, God, and that, no. And that gives you, hang on a second, listen to me. There's, there's, there's a science behind this. This gives you the lift off, you know, that moment of, of, of oh, I say, I feel much better. And then before you crash and burn, yeah. which will inevitably happen, you slide a big fried breakfast underneath there that just cushions the settling down. Then a handful of, of, of painkillers, rehydrate with water, and you're ready to go again. The fried breakfast always makes me want to pass out again. I have to go back to well, sleep because it's so, so, it's so much okay. digestion. But okay, yes, yeah, so okay. there'll be various hangovers to be dealt with on, there are no hangovers. on Boxing Day. The, the truth of the matter is no such thing as a hangover yeah. here. There's nothing you can do about it. No. Just live through it. Yeah, but, you, but you can, no, but you can you know, cheer yourself up on Boxing Day. Yeah, and, definitely. And chockies are the ones that... Yeah, no, so we will, I will have some chocolate, a Barocca... And um, <laughs> a croissant, probably. <laughs> I would say those would be my hangover cure. <laughs> you have a very civilized family background. Oh, thank you. Don't you? <laughs> I love really, a croissant. Really. Feels really un-Christmassy to me. Really? I don't know why. Oh, but I think it's because it's like a Sunday thing, and I feel like Boxing Day feels like the Sunday of all Sundays, even if it isn't on a Sunday. Yeah, that's so true. I will have a croissant, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. croissant, coffee, and then Barocca. This year's a Barocca. <laughs> this year it's a Monday, isn't it? It is. Yeah. A my boxing day mornings have consisted for quite a number of years of the leftover baguette with the leftover cheese cranberry and then whatever meat it may be if it's turkey if it's pork if it's beef and having a foot long of quality (laughs) day old ingredients and lying on the sofa consuming too much again and then I need a bit of exercise as well I need to get out and about so I kind of Probably have a little bit of time lulling it all over and then we normally play golf on Boxing Day or we go out for a big walk or we try and do something active because we like to party, like I said before. So there needs to be something that gives you merit for being able to go out and about and have as much fun on the day before. But um, that would be kind of mine. And then more booze at some point in the day. Darling, no, very similar. Well, if I'm in South Africa again, it's a bit, it's a bit of a non-deal because you're just outside anyway, and you're, you're at the beach. But it, my best thing about Boxing Day is always the cold gammon. Oh, oh yeah. god! And it, and and what happens is someone takes it out of the fridge in the morning and puts it on this big kitchen counter in in the house in South Africa, where you know you have to walk past the kitchen counter to get to everywhere, to get outside, to go to the loo, to go to your bedroom, to get to the kitchen. You have to walk past the counter, and there's a knife. And I would actually one year I'd love to put like a camera up and then do a do a do a um, like what's it called? Cams, yeah. yeah, but yeah. also to then to then jam it all together. What's it called? Into like fast pace time lapse. A time yeah. lapse because every time someone walks past it, they just pick up the knife, another slice of ham <laughs> until it's basically gone before lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. Um, leftovers are lovely, and also. There's the, there's the, you know, after having the pressure of cooking the day before, you don't have to do any of it the yes, next day. I think that one of the great <clears throat> joys of it is, is you work yourself up to such a frenzy on Christmas Day and everybody's trying to be on the best behaviour and, and, it, and it always feels slightly constrained. Boxing Day, you know, it's, it, it, that yeah, is that's the time true. to really relax. Yeah. And I tell you, what, what my mother used to do, uh, used to, she used to get all the, the leftover Brussels sprouts and the roast potatoes, uh, and mash them up into a, uh, then refry them into a yeah. hash, 
And then she would she would get the bits of leftover turkey mm. and she would devil them, that is, slash them, and then rub in a mixture of uh, it was Worcester sauce, uh, cayenne pepper, mustard, chutney, mm. and rub that in, and then bung it in the oven as well. And those were and they, and they were set, they were like a, the, the the Christmas dirty dish. They were, yes, <laughs> very good. They were, they were the sort of secret consolation yeah. of, yes. of, of Boxing Day. We used to absolutely adore that. That's a good one, actually. What is a that, Christmas dirty dish? A Christmas well, a Christmas dirty, dirty dish. dish well, I can tell you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But the, oh, the other one, the other, I think they added on to that, and this could be a Christmas dirty dish, is that all the, the, the Christmas cake or Christmas pudding that hasn't been eaten, and assuming that you haven't made the souffle, but it's always there, is, it, is you chop it up into small bits and you fry it in butter. So it goes all crisp on the outside, oh. and then there's the and then there's the, the leftover brandy butter, and, mm. and, and, and it's really div- or lots of cream. Uh, and, um, and and so that is a consternation worth. Oh, that's delicious! It, it is very good. That's much nicer. My brother-in-law tried and failed to bring in a new family tradition for Boxing Day, which was <laughs> to make all of the leftovers. And I can't quite remember if he put in the turkey as well. I hope he didn't. And I didn't eat it. My brother-in-law subjected my poor nieces to two young girls and wife, my sister, to have a soup out of all of the Christmas leftovers <laughs> that he blended together, seasoned, and then cooked up and had, they didn't eat it in the end. They had a little bit and he had it for the next three days. <laughs> don't know whether it was enjoyable. I didn't sound like punishment. It's not what you want. Doesn't sound. No, no, no. I think you, it's got to be, it's got to be, um, it's, it's comfort food. That's what you want on Boxing Day, isn't it? You want you do. comfort. You want comfort After food. the excesses of the day before. And ideally, I think a successful Boxing Day is where by the end of the day, all of the leftovers have been finished because by the 27th, I'm done. I'm done with Christmas food. Really? That, that, I'm over it. I'm, we're moving on. Yes, it's we're not revving Christmas up for my, anymore. For, my, for my birthday. Well, well, then, yeah, New Year's before that, actually. Oh, but, <laughs> but I think it's good. I like to get all... If, if all of the leftovers are eaten on Boxing Day, that's good because then you can, you can just move... Then Christmas has happened. You can move on. I think I, I, I'm with Tian on this. I think no, it's, it's finishing off all the chocolates that you were too full yeah. to eat the day. No, see, I don't really have a sweet tooth, so that's never been my. No. That's my thing. That's never been my I'll bag. I'll be grazing around all of the re- remaining chocolate. <laughs> I tell you one other t- good tradition that we've got in South Africa, which is not to do with food at all. It's to do with presents. Yeah. And we got to a stage where we realised that there was this craziness of a whole bunch of people flying out from London to South Africa every Christmas, carrying bucket loads of Christmas presents in our suitcases. And, you know, if you were, if you have a situation where everybody has to give everybody a present, it's so expensive, etc., etc. And, you know, we're in the middle of kind of rural South Africa, so that also just doesn't feel quite right. So we've adopted this fabulous, and I can't remember if it's traditionally Canadian or not. Um, I will find out. Called the Yankee Swap. Yankee swap. And what you do is everybody buys one present. You have a budget, good budget. So our budget's about 40 quid, right? Mm. So it's a good present. Yeah. But you only buy one. So that's it. Yeah. And you wrap up your present in uh, wrapping paper, but you don't write anything on it. And it, uh, you have to try and wrap it, you know, somewhere where no one sees you, so no one knows what you've put in. And then you do, however, let's say you've got 10 people. You do, you put numbers one to 10 in a hat. Everybody takes a number. And then number one stands up and goes to the tree and chooses their presents. There's 10 wrapped up presents, chooses their present and opens it. All It's all public and you're under a lot of pressure. You see what the present is. And then number two can either go and pick another present from under the tree or they can steal 
the one that's open that number one has got, and that goes on, so on and so forth. And a present can only be stolen three times, and then it's frozen. So if you get two people vying for the same thing, they're sort of calculating. If I steal it now, they're going to steal it back, then I'm going to steal it back, and then it's locked. And it goes on like that, and you just keep going until everybody's got a present. And it's really fun. It's hilarious. You get into such competition someone will always put in one there'll be one amazing present and then one year <laughs> one year my aunt put in what was it it's my first year it was this car wax car wax <laughs> <laughs> and I and I spent hours getting what I did real thought into it and I ended up with car wax and funnily enough no one stole it from me <laughs> exactly that's the problem uh, you know, do you can't exchange after you no no you no steal. and you, you can only no, steal you really? can't you can't put something back no. so it's, it's but it's brilliant it's really well, good so so it's, it's an absolute recipe for bloodletting yeah <laughs> and you know we do it we do it after the meal on Christmas Eve so everyone's slightly few sheets to the wind so that adds to their fun do you, look, do you all look forward to Christmas yeah every year I love it yeah. Same. Love it. Well, I work in London, my family are in Lancashire, and it's a time that I get to see my nieces and nephew, all of my friends, there's ten, ten of us, we're all back in pretty much the same village on the same three days of the year, and it's the only time when we're all together, um, so we get to see each other, and we've been friends since primary school, so it, it's oh, really so special nice. when we're all together, and it's that time of year, or Easter's yeah. the other time that it sometimes happens, but... yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I do get I do get why some people don't like it, but I think we've always put the like put the yeah, effort into making it. Make the effort really in. I think yeah. that's that's a, the point. And, yeah, and, definitely. And, and seeing people who probably don't see you know, mm. that much or yeah. Like yeah. Now, and also, and if you do have a family, in, in the end, it's the celebration of family, isn't it? Completely, exactly. Yeah, that's definitely. The, that's the joy of it. Yeah, I completely well, agree. Well, well, I feel you know. Quite Christmassy. <laughs> That's a very festive man. That may be because of the beer you've been drinking. Might be because of the beer that I've been drinking. Whereas I have been, Tian and I have been sipping a very, a very, a very delicious nice red, little, very nice very red light, wine. Light, yeah, nice yeah. light red. I think he would go very well with turkey, actually. This I, yeah, I think so. And uh, Peter went to empty glass. I, I finished mine. It didn't last that long. No. Clearly, it's time to wrap up. Because <laughs> we, can't, we can't have empty empty glasses at the table. I think that's, oh yes, exactly. I need. I think we need to open another bottle or two. Quite, quite possibly. Well, I, I wish everybody very happy Christmases. Yeah. Happy Christmas happy to everyone. Christmas. And uh, this is the last episode of this series. Yeah, this, and of this right. year as well. And of this year. Yeah, it's been a great year. It's been really fun. Have you enjoyed? I've loved masterminding. It. <laughs> I have, I have. <laughs> Under pressure now, but yeah, no, I've had. It's been amazing. It's been so fun, honestly. Well, well and the good news is, is we've already got some lined up for, we have. for season three. So season watch three. this space. Yeah. I would say. And can I say, darling, is that for me? I mean, we've interviewed some wonderful people with some remarkable occasions, um, but it's. To chatting to you and yes, uh, it's, just, and, it's and, always and, wonderful. And just meandering over this yes. ever interesting topic, and your company has I find it absolute pure pleasure. Ditto. <laughs> so Cheers to that. happy Christmas, Cheers. everybody! Happy Cheers. Christmas! Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas! Last, last year.